We love you, dear listeners, as much as Carlo loves hammers. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Football Ramble. It's Tuesday, the 8th of September. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Addy Russell. And I'm Luke Moore. Yes, guys, before we get into the show, you may already know that we have some updates for you. With a new season starting this weekend, we are so happy to tell you that we're going to be continuing to bring you five whole shows a week with a rotating lineup of three of the eight of us each day. And we're also launching a brand new channel. That channel is Football Ramble Presents, and it's going to feature weekly episodes of On the Continent, regular episodes of The Book Club. There's an absolute corker coming up next week at the match, and plenty of exciting brand new shows. The first show is a new episode of On the Continent. It is out this Thursday, the 10th of September. So please go and search Football Ramble Presents and subscribe wherever you get your pods. Cannot wait for that. And to see you on On the Continent, Andy Brassel. What you mean is you can't wait for the fact that I won't be wedging obscure European stories yeah. into the normal ramble. I've com- I've contributed a reasonable amount of our company's uh, resources into bringing that show back for precisely that reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, all, all I'm saying is Ricardo Quaresma on a yeah. horse. So you still get see you it, Thursday, yeah. everyone. Still gets it in. See you Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good little preview, to be fair. Kate. That is lovely. Yes, friends. Here we all are. It's the the boring one, the one who interrupts, and the female one with the annoying voice. Yeah. What more? Could but you which expect? one's which? <laughs> <laughs> I'd happily be all three of them, to be honest, if I could. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's start you off with a few transfers because James Rodriguez has signed for Everton. £22 million deal unveiled last night. Huge signing for the club. Let's not forget 2014 Golden Boot winner mm. at the World Cup. Who did his lines in English for their uh, social media. Excellent. It's those little touches. Mm. It's those little touches. You know, people really appreciate that. And, and sometimes you'll see... Uh, a bit of piss being taken when a David Beckham goes and tries to do a press conference in Spanish. But Aww. but but people respect it, right? They go, well, at least he's making an effort, mm. right? And and Hamez has done that here. And also, could we perhaps see some kind of if anyone who works as a sub editor in Fleet Street is listening, uh, I suspect there isn't, but if there is, <laughs> um, the greatest headline of all time during the aforementioned 2014 World Cup, where Hamez Rodriguez was doing his thing, <laughs> and the headline read, "The name's Bond, Hamez Rodriguez." which made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Could we perhaps see a redux of that in a nice new Premier League-related way? A redux in a tux. That's what we want to see. I I think it's really interesting because, of course, all the narrative around it is going to be about James' relationship with Carlo Ancelotti because it is James and Carlo part three. And quite rightly so. Um, but it, there's, there's nuance to this relationship. And that's what I think is so interesting about it. Of course, I think we have to start from the top and say, Hamez would not be at Everton if it was not for Carlo Ancelotti. And this yeah. is the whole reason you get Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> so that you can... Watch out, Andy. Those so, Everton fans, they have got a tongue on them. <laughs> well, uh, they can have. In this situation, it is the case. Allow me to bail Andy out. I think what's happened is his agent has said, there's a club in Liverpool interested in you. <laughs> and he's gone, I love a bit of that. 
No, I don't. I don't think that's happened. That's I think other. he said Carlo's on the phone. <laughs> can I just? Can is, I? Is that simple? Can I? Can I just say that um, the 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 <laughs> the most damning of faint praise possibly anywhere in the world of football yes. is to be found on James Rodriguez's Wikipedia page, Oof. where under the style of play section it says, "Once considered to be among the best young players in the world." <laughs> <laughs> but Andy, oh. seriously, what are Everton fans? Because Everton fans will, of course, done their research and and people who watch Premier League stuff regularly. Who may not watch a lot of European football might go I know this guy played for Real Madrid I know he was brilliant six years ago in the World Cup Yeah, I sort of know that he's been on loan at Bayern Munich however I didn't see him during the last season when they played um, in the, in, and won the Champions League so what, what kind of stage is he at in his career what are they are they going to get from him and is he someone who can make that adapt can, they, can he adapt to the Premier League successfully do you think well he's, he's come off a bit of a blank season so in that sense is is slightly unknown but in terms of his class in recent years. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any knock in it, really. I talked about that three-part relationship with Ancelotti. Mm. And interestingly, you, you start at the beginning and it does kind of make me laugh when you see Hammers and Alan coming in. Because if Harry Redknapp was getting the band back together, yeah. everyone would be taking the piss. Yeah. But they're such high quality. Yeah. No one can. Yeah, which this- I, I, think is, I think is pretty special. But if, if you go back to the beginning, of course, it was seen as when they got him in, they had to get rid of Angel Di Maria to create space on the wage bill. Of course, because they're both left-footers, people thought it was like for light. They're absolutely nothing alike as players. And because Ancelotti didn't want to get rid of Di Maria and was pretty upset about the fact that Real Madrid moved him on, especially after he'd won them La Decima in Not 2014. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Um, but I think the, the interesting thing is people immediately thought that he has a problem with James Rodriguez. That was never the case. And funnily enough, even though he was a signing that didn't really seem suitable for Real Madrid, he played some absolutely magnificent football under Carlo Ancelotti at Real Madrid. And then eventually, when he ends up at Bayern, it's really interesting that Ancelotti builds the team around him. Mm. And the bits where he did build the team around him and James was playing as a number 10 for Bayern, he was absolutely fantastic. Now, once Ancelotti went... Hammers was never staying at Bayern. So the reason right. that Bayern didn't keep him on, that was that was a club reason. That was never an Ancelotti reason. Right. And the fact that he's brought him in again says to me he's going to build the team around him again. Now, what it means for lots of other sort of drifty eight-stroke ten type players that Everton have bought for, well, seemingly no reason over the past <laughs> three years, I don't know. But Hammers is better than all of them. Okay. And to have a player like that there, I think is an enormous treat and he's going to be a massive hit in the Premier League. People uh, have said uh, that his game time is going, obviously his game time is going down as you're talking about over those uh, periods that he's been playing and not being used so much. So yeah. even still, there's no doubt in your mind that he's going to, he can still do it at not, the not, very highest level. Not, not for me. I mean, I, I think there might be a bit of an adaptation period, Kate, because um, as we were saying, he's, he's not had much match practice over the last season. Basically, he should be an Atletico Madrid player now because they were set to sign him last summer and then there was that friendly, the most... You know how friendlies are meaningless? It was the most meaningful friendly Mm. ever when um, they absolutely trashed them 7-3 and Real Madrid thought, well, we can't sell him a player because that's a player they actually want. We don't want him, but we don't want them to have what they want. So that kind of left him stuck for the year, really. Yes. And so that's why he's been pretty much treading water. But it's to Everton's ultimate benefit. I do I do think there's a de- definite element when Carlo Ancelotti's getting the band back together. I mean, that band is like the strokes. 
when Harry Redknapp's getting the band back together, they're very much like the Liberties. And people are like, yeah, I'm kind of over that now. That was fine at one point, but now I'm not really that interested. I'm intrigued by these cultural references. Yeah. I wouldn't have seen the More Strokes and the Libertines as being so distinct. I agree with Kate, actually. Yeah, yeah. I would have seen them kind of on a level. Kate has done you in a cultural context. And yes. I never thought I, think, I would say that happened. I, was I think say, if you think in 2020 the Libertines have got anything on the Strokes, you've got rocks in your head. That's what I think. But the, but the people will decide. As Kate's alluded to in the intro of the show, the people will decide. Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> the Angelo's band. That's yeah. what I'd say. What they'll say is, I can't believe Kate's been bullying Luke, or I can't believe Luke's been bullying Kate. And then we'll all get back to where we started again, and it'll be the same next Tuesday. So don't worry about it. And I will very much see them all next Tuesday. Um, I, I'm excited. Do you know, do you know what? With Rodriguez, I, I think... I, I, don't call him Rodriguez. James. Let's call him James. Let's. Let's be over when familiar. Is he, so is he sort of a Madonna? Why, why do people start being called by their first name. Sorry, this is a massive tangent, isn't it? She's like a Madonna. Why, why is that? Because he, seri- he serially offended the Catholic Church. And so he, uh, that's why people make the comparison. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? To me, he's not, yes, he won the Golden Boot in 2014, but he's not, I don't know, Pele. No, bad example. But you know what I'm talking about. Why, why is it isn't, that... Isn't it to do with his, like, in South America, there's a tradition of using like nicknames and stuff like that? Yeah. and uh, It's just uh, being like, used as a nickname. Or, or, your, or, okay, or, or your, your first name. Basically, if, you're, if your first and second name... Is, is used or, or just your second name is used like Giovanni Elba that it, it, it sort of implies a lack of affection in right, football okay. circles okay, right. like Giovanni Elba like people thought of him as, when he was at Bayern as the most German Brazilian ever because he just scores the goals there's yeah. no fun to it okay yeah fair enough that's quite I, yeah I've been wondering that for a while so thank you guys glad we finally cleared something up now, let's talk about Kai Havertz, shall we? Yes, let's, let's skip across to the because he was announced after we did the show on Friday, right? So we haven't had a chance. I mean, what's happened is, Kate, Chelsea have been immensely disrespectful, yeah, and they've unveiled a player <laughs> at a really inconvenient time to this show. Um, despite us doing shows every weekday, they still managed to slip through the net um, by doing it on a Friday afternoon. I mean, listen, the, the, the general consensus is for that reason, Luke hopes, and the official ramble <laughs> position <laughs> is that we hope you end up paying all of the bonuses. Yeah, I'm gonna go yes. all of the I'm going in two foot on Chelsea for that because I am that petty. Even if they do end up paying all of the bonuses, 62. it'll mean they're extremely trophy laden. Yeah, sixty-two million plus infinite number of add-ons. Yeah, I think I think this is this is a really really big sign for an excellent player. Everyone knows how great he is. People have, would have um, seen at least a snippet of him, even if they have no over interest in German football, because of course the Bundesliga came back before the Premier League, and he was a, a, a kind of eye-catching player then being linked to Premier League clubs. Outstanding player but I'll tell you what it does mean I think if you extrapolate it out to a kind of wider conversation the business Chelsea have done over the last few weeks means that Lampard's game has now done changed in a big way you know to to, kind of you know to kind of paraphrase Omar I, I feel I feel that Whereas he came into the job in a certain set of conditions and, and was and I said at the beginning of last season the top four for him and you know perhaps something else would be great and he got to a cup final and they got the top four. Now they've set their intentions out and they've set their stall out and he's got to perform now. Yeah. You, you need to. I, I think you really need to be thinking if you finished above if you finish above Chelsea this season you'll win the league. I think they need to be, they need to improve in a big way on what they did last season. Mm. And last season they did okay. I don't know how you are feel you, about that. Are you saying that, that Frank Lampard is basically Patricia of Gomorrah? He's now been given. He's been given okay, I'll all the you in resources. A Thanks, he's been yeah. given all the resources he could possibly need. But now it's, you know, it's, eat or be eaten. It's game 100%. on. This guy, Kai Havertz, 21 years yeah. old. Every bloody club in the world seemed to want him but Chelsea obviously they didn't uh, sign anyone in their transfer windows they had that ban briefly and they've got this pot of cash 
Yeah. Thanks, Roman. Yeah. Um, and they've managed to get in there ahead of people. It saving seems up, like saving up pays off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think. And a lesson to both your sons there, Andy. A lesson to both your sons. <laughs> Absolutely. Their pocket if money. you save your 20p a week, you'll be able to buy Kai Havertz. A, a, a very exciting young German attacking football player. <laughs> I did actually, when I was a kid, I thought it would be great to save up, buy a top footballer and get them to... A, coach me football in my back garden and B, like do domestic chores that I didn't want to do. Do you remember when, and, and that's that's a delightful insight into the mind of you as a young man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, not, not unexpected. No. But do you remember when Richard Keyes said that if Rafa Benitez didn't like uh, Newcastle should, transfer like, policy, he should buy the players himself? Was it? <laughs> that was like an amazing, <laughs> like, that was an amazing plot twist it from was Keyes. The, it was the players, not the club. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course yeah, it was. Of course. Said, if you don't like it, well, you go out, you've got a lot of money, why don't you buy yourself a player? He's got... Uh, I, I imagine, first of all, there's probably several kind of laws against that Do and you know also what? it's he a mad thing to say box. he <laughs> thinks outside the box they I go think, hard on Keezy yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we're heading into that kind of area like Ricardo Quaresma is richer than his new, cl- his yeah. new club so that could actually happen at Gimalesh yeah and what about Salford I mean you could just come in and, and take over yeah definitely that's true, that's true. but definitely. I mean it would be, it would be oh, can we at least agree that it would be I think unprecedented for a sitting manager to buy a player on his own on, for his own club Yes. Yeah, thank you. That's the point I wanted to make. Kate, <laughs> please carry on. Right, so anyway, we're excited about Kai Havertz. We've seen him play. Do you not think it changes the deal at Chelsea, though? Of course it changes yeah, the deal. Big and, way, but big it's way. not just him, obviously. It's, you know, they've made so many big signings in this window already. And yeah, absolutely, Lampard, um, he's got the world at his feet. The, the interesting thing I think about Havertz is the fact that they've kind of been forced to seize the opportunity because no one else was prepared to spend that much money for him, even though he's value for money, in mm. my opinion. I think he because, is well, yeah. Because he's a big present and a big future. But I think, you know, normally the, the sort of cliche against uh, about a player of this sort of quality is... Um, you know, it's it's about it's about what he can provide now. It's not just about the future. Yeah. I think it's the other way round. It's not about just what he can provide now. It's about the future. Because the thing is with him, like you know, people look at him as a, a number ten or someone who can play on either side. What we've discovered about him in the last six months, so people have talked about Peter Bosch playing him at Leverkusen as a false nine. Is he a false nine if he's six foot two and he can win headers on the penalty spot? Mm. I think no. I think he's a genuine prospect to be a centre forward. Mm. So I know what he can produce now, but I'm very excited about what he can become. And I don't think anyone really knows what he can become or how far he can go. And it seems as though this is Germany's best young talent and it's a, many people in the Bundesliga are, are sad that he's leaving mm. uh, playing in the country. Wolves for their part, are mm. just trammeling out all of Portugal's best young talents, it this, seems like. Yeah, this was a big tipping point for me, Kate, <clears throat> because a player moved for £35 million pounds that I'd literally never heard of. And I wonder if I'm now finished at the top level. Oh, bless because you. Because I'm so far out of the loop. that um, And he's, he's um, gone past you in the hair game as well. Great hair, Fabio Silva. To be fair, that's much easier yeah. done these days. And also, Mark has his haircut this week, as we heard yesterday. And so, you know, our hair game needs to get stronger. Um, you, yours has grown back, which is a good thing. Because yes. when, you, when you went full bonehead, I think you, you let yourself down a bit there. Um, but now you've come back a bit. <laughs> but Fabio Silva, and Andy, you probably attended every single under-19s game you played for Porto, so you'll know more yeah, about it than, than the rest of us. Yeah, I coach your team, uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so you get, you get the kickback. You get the Barry Fry kickback hey. for, that, for that transfer. Let's not talk about <laughs> George Mendes deal and kickbacks. <laughs> you're, you're on very thin ice here. I just said Barry Fry. I was talking about you. C- can, I, can I just say, I love the fact that Porto, or um, 
Pinto de Costa, the president at Porto, was talking uh, at the start of the pandemic about, I had 140 million of transfers lined up of players that we were going to sell. So we'll meet our FFP obligations with, with UEFA. And now those have stalled because, as you say, the world done changed. Yeah. But now, we, uh, you know, we need a bit of money. Uncle George... There's that relationship for years and years. Five minutes later, you're selling a player who's played a handful of first-team games yeah. to Wolves for 40 million euros. And, and, and it's interesting. Living the dream. The only footage that um, I can, I've seen of Fabio Silva since I had this happen and we are going to be talking about it today is just in youth team games where he obviously looks standout at youth team level. I mean, he's yes. got good feet. He makes amazing runs. Good finisher, particularly with his right foot. Um, but Wolves fans, I think, if we tap into some kind of zeitgeist, if that's, if that's possible at the age I'm at, um, to, they'll be delighted with this because it's got a very big football manager wonder kid feel about it right mm. it's like an unknown guy but he's come for a huge amount of money he plays in a forward position is he someone who's going to be making a contribution straight away do you think yeah I think he can probably yeah. play 20-25 games this season and he would have been ready for the Porto first team had they not got this fantastic offer which really helps them out because they need the money and uh, I think you look at him at what he did in the UEFA Youth League he's a good finisher with both feet uh, he's very intelligent, more intelligent than you would expect a striker of that age to be. Looks like he's in a boy band as well, he's, as you've alluded to. He, absolutely. That doesn't, um, that doesn't hurt though. These days, it doesn't hurt for the old social medias. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's been a star on Instagram already. Has he really? But, What's he done on Instagram? Oh, no. I meant in, on the Wolves Instagram. Oh, he has. Yeah. He looks yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Callum Wilson, by the way, looks oh, great in the Newcastle kit. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't prepared for how good he was going to look. We didn't even Newcastle talk about kit. Hammers in the Everton shirt. He looked great. Yeah. Slightly looked, ruined by the kind of sponsorship yeah because it's, be- it's a beautiful kit that like blue colour it's like a turquoise See, kind I, of think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think if you haven't lovely. got your specs on he looks like he's playing for Rangers uh, with, I know with what that you mean. new Everton kit the, the, the thing is that Hammers is undeniably very handsome and yes. and so and and Callum Wilson is as well, mm. and I think the boys did a really good job yesterday of, of glossing over the forty six knee injuries that Callum Wilson's had over the last uh, <laughs> however many years. But I agree, he he looks amazing in the kit. He looks amazing in it. And, and he what more can you ask? And for? he referenced in his welcoming video. He referenced the fact that he watched the movie Goal. He said Newcastle's an iconic club because uh, because you know Goal. What about the film Goal? If if he'd have winked at the camera and gone hashtag Pete's films, Pete's films <laughs> Pete's club, exactly. that would have been good. Why did he not do that he after we lined it all? He should have done. He should have done. These but, clubs, they're very disobedient. But, but, but we're seeing conclusion. an influx of like really exciting players come to the Premier. I wonder if a part of it is just because um, the Premier League is is famously more moneyed than all the other leagues anyway, and maybe they're a bit more insulated towards COVID than some of the other nations and some of the other leagues and some of the other clubs. So they're getting picking up these players, or whether it's just a coincidence that these exciting players are coming to the Premier League but next season is going to be epically good with all these new players coming in yeah absolutely and and not the only signing that Wolves have made Marcel the 31 year old joining from Lyon there's also Vitinha another Portuguese youngster who's expected to join on a season long loan but you mentioned Luke the the lots of exciting players coming to the Premier League. It's also the case uh, that they're coming to the Women's Super League in, in England mm-hmm. as well. Um, actually, the other day you mentioned that it's a bit of a shame that Liverpool aren't backing their women's team. And an example of how quickly that state of affairs can actually just be turned around, Manchester United just are set to sign US internationals Tobin Heath and Kristen Press. Now, they didn't really have a proper you know, uh, women's team until 2018. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they took it seriously, they appointed Casey Stoney, former England international, and they worked their way straight up into the women's top division. This weekend, they drew with the Women's Super League champions, 1-1 yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. And now they're signing these American players 
of real, real calibre, World Cup winners. I remember seeing them both play in the World Cup last year. Yeah. Um, I particularly remember uh, Kristen Press. Looks, looks outstanding. A lot, a lot of big players seem to be coming to the Women's Super League at the moment. And uh, first of all, I wondered why that was, because I'm not an expert in it. But secondly, the, the big... Um, the big kind of takeaway from me when I was reading around about this is that um, the B- first BBC's Women's Football Show of the Season on Sunday night, hell. two million people watched yeah. it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and two million. And you put that in perspective that when the BBC showed Bournemouth v Villa in the Premier League in June, when the BBC got the rights to those Premier League games, the peak attendance was 3.6 million. And the average Sky Sports Premier League game is hard to say, but obviously it's not free to air, so the numbers are much smaller. So, mm. I mean... I don't know if I'm qualified enough to say this, but we could be seeing a bit of a tipping point in women's football now of all these players from around the world coming in. We talked about it a week or two ago uh, when we talked about Lucy Bronze coming back and, and, and all that kind of stuff. You wonder whether it's looking like a big moment for women's football at the moment. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, as we said, I think last week when we were talking about the uh, Women's Champions League final, how all the discourse in France around Lyon, who are, are the best of the best and you know possibly the, the, the best women's team of all time, mm. how they're saying... Okay, the English are coming. We're going to have to step it up a level. And so this isn't unexpected. This has been coming for a while. But see Manchester United, a relatively new club, do this, I think is, is, is pretty positive. And what I think with both Heath and Press, they've both played in Europe before, which mm. I think is a massive great deal. Right, you yeah. know, we, we, know, we know women's football in America is, is, is of an absolutely fantastic standard. But to have American players who are already acclimatised, like um, Tobin Heath was a, a Paris Saint-Germain and uh, Kristen Press was a, a Tourist. I actually went over to interview her just before the uh, Champions League final that Tourist were in, what, probably about four years ago. Right. I interviewed her with uh, Marta at the time. I mean, they horrendously overspent Tourist. <laughs> and they knew when they were getting ready for that Champions League final this that they the were end. going out of business <laughs> right, okay. because, because yeah. they, they, they'd spent so much money. But um, Kristen Press is extremely impressive. She's a great finisher. And, you know, this is going to give so much, I think, to the existing British players. I mean, we, we've, we've heard like people say, oh, well, there still needs to be room for English players. Well, there will be. Yeah. They'll just be learning from off the, best. the best. That's the argument that was hashed way back at the start of the Premier League. Exactly. When, like, you know, Sean Franco Zola came over or whatever, and people were saying, you know, well, is he going to take the place of another, uh, another English? I was like, oh, fucking hell. It, it works, he's going to work with Sean Franco Zola every single day. That's mm. a good thing, you know? Yeah. When I come into this studio every day and I'm working with Kate Mason, I'm learning, you know? <laughs> and that's important. <laughs> it's important to, to, be, to be improved by the people around you. Oh, guys, the Ramble Studio, the centre of the yeah. world, just like English football is the centre of the world. <laughs> On that note, let's get to a bloody break. <laughs> Welcome back to the Football Ramble. Flexible BT TV allows football fans to make unlimited substitutions so they can sub the football on and off every month. With a new season just round the corner, BT TV allows you to be flexible with what football you want to watch. They offer the Now TV Sky Sports Pass, BT Sport and Prime Video and you can sub them on and off every month however you like. In the spirit of substitutions, we're subbing in some of our listeners on today's episode to answer some very special quiz questions. Who's on the line? Hello, uh, this is Sven Goran Eriksson. Sven Eriksson. Hey! Hey! And I am in Värmland in Sweden at my house. Great to hear from you, Sven. Thank you very much for phoning in. Thanks for joining us. It's our favourite England manager, Sven Goran Eriksson. He joins us on the line thanks to BTTV. Sven... Uh, 
it is I speak on behalf of the nation that it is an undeniable pleasure that you join us on the phone. A pleasure, a pleasure, a pleasure. Um, Sven, we have uh, some questions for you. I'd love to, to kick us off uh, asking you this, and you can answer this however you want. Who is your favourite England manager? Hey, 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 hey. Bobby Robson, I would say. Uh, ah. I knew him personally, and a nice man, football man, uh, very positive always. I, I liked him. I liked him very much. Mm. A fine choice. Yeah, very good. Um, sort of moving on from that, Sven, um, what would you say is the best England game that you've ever seen? Well, I was involved in that one. I, I must say it was Germany, uh, England, uh, in Munich, 5-1. Mm. Oh. Of course, of course. <laughs> what a day that was. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of people will protest against that. No, no. Sven, Sven, what was that like from the touchline, from the dugout? Did you, were you fully aware that you were witnessing something pretty historic? Yeah, you wished that all the games finished like that. Where, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but unfortunately, they don't. No, no that course, that yeah. was something which shouldn't be possible to to happen, but it happened. Yeah, from an England fan point of view, it was it was years of pent up hurt and yeah. aggression released on one evening. It was absolutely wonderful, was incredible. What what was the dressing room like after that game? Have you ever that's got to be up there with the best atmospheres you've witnessed, right? Well, first of all, I think uh, half time was very good because we could have been under to one instead. Mm. Uh, mm. Steven Gerrard scored just before half time and uh, we were up to one. And of course that changed everything. And then we could uh, wait for the Germans and uh, make counterattacks against them. Mm-hmm. and uh, it worked better than good. <laughs> Everything went went well that night. So. Yeah. Even Heskey scored, as yeah. John says. Even it? Heskey scored, yeah. Nice goal as well. And Michael Owen scored three. Yeah. Did, did you... Did you... Do you think, how much of that do you put down to planning and how much do you think, oh, it's football and you can't control everything, it's just one of those nights? Well, I don't think you can control uh, beating Germany 5-1 away. You, you you can't control that. But everything we wanted to do was uh, went well. We wanted to defend well against Germany, of course. But we wanted to hurt them because the table said that we should not lose that game. We should try to win it. And the draw would have been maybe okay, but uh, the aim was to win it. And... Uh, uh, it went well for us and second half was incredible. We could have scored even more goals. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, Sven, listen, I'm going to ask you the next question now and you can answer this however you wish, okay? You're among yeah. friends here. Who is Scandinavia's most influential football figure? Today, I would say it's Slatan, of course. Uh, he's the best football player ever in Sweden. He's been playing in so many countries, in so many clubs. And almost every time, every club, he goes to winning something, winning important titles. So it's Slatan, no doubts about that. And he's 35, 36 maybe. And I don't know if he's still going to play for Milan one more year. Would you say that you're in the top three? <laughs> As a coach, uh, if you count all the titles internationally, yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Well, I was going to... Statistically, yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, Sven, because, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has obviously achieved a lot in his career, but did he ever win a UEFA Cup with uh, with IFK Gothenburg? No. Exactly. Right. And Sven, you <laughs> no. still hold the Cup Winners' Cup, which no, literally no one else can say. No, so. no, I, no one will win that ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you finished that trophy. Yes. Marvellous. So, Sven, you have managed all over the world, and you know throughout your career, you've you've regularly been linked with some of the biggest jobs in the game. If you could kind of sub yourself in to manage one current team, be that a domestic or an international team, just you know, just for a little while, just to enjoy yourself with the squads available, who who would that be right now? Well, since I was maybe ten years old, I've been a Liverpool fan. So Liverpool, I always dreamt about to be coaching, managing. And of course, I would like to do it today. But of course, saying that, that's impossible. Mm. It's nothing I, <laughs> I think about. Yeah. They seem and to be quite the happy with the current then, coach, don't they? <laughs> I am extremely happy with the current <laughs> coach. And uh, the way they played football, the last uh, league, that was I- impressive. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good. Yeah. And I think uh, he will go on playing that kind of football. And it will be difficult to, to beat... Uh, to beat Liverpool even in the future. Internationally, I had the, the biggest job you can have. I had England. That's the biggest job you can have as a, as a, as a manager. Maybe Brazil, but um, no, I, uh, I had it. I'm, I'm, I was very, very proud to have it. We didn't win any big titles, but anyhow. Sven, you once... Um... When you were coaching Manchester City, you were on a pre-season tour, and you you spoke to Dietmar Harman, uh, De Kaiser, as he was as he was nicknamed, and he, he said that you you would love to retire to Thailand with with two beautiful ladies. Is that still is that still the end game? Is that still the big finish? No, 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 it's not. I, I, did he really say so? <laughs> yeah, probably did. <laughs> No, no, that, that's that's not uh, the dream. No, no, no. Okay, absolutely not. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit older today. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Well, Sven, it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you um, about those questions. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure is mine. With a new football season nearly here, BT TV are allowing you to make unlimited substitutions. They offer the Now TV, Sky Sports Pass, BT Sport, and Prime Video, and you can sub them on and off every month. Search BTTV today. We're back and it's time for this. We concentrate on the topics. We're pretty good to many topics today. Lovely topic this week. You can sign anyone for your club, but they can't be a player. Who would it be and what would they be doing? Luke? Yeah, Ben Skelly's been in touch on Twitter. Sorry, Ben McSkelly, I do apologise, has been in touch on Twitter uh, and he says, Tom Kerridge at Newcastle making bacon sandwiches for Steve Bruce. Now, I am all for that for a number of different reasons. Tom Kerridge, lovely fellow, he seems. I've only seen him on TV and when I went to go to his pub, The Hand and Flowers, in Marlow, I think it is, and I turned up. It's a, it's a two Michelin star pub. I think it's the only two Michelin star okay. pub in the country. And I turned up, and you know, you know Tom Kerry's the big guy who's yes. the celebrity chef. I turned up uh, with my friend, and Tom Kerry was behind the bar pulling pints. 
Oh, really. alleged. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, so you uh, could do that as well. It's a great place. So you could do a bit of everything. And I think the bacon sandwich he would make, <sighs> it's a perfect marriage because he would make a world-class bacon sandwich. Ben's absolutely right. And who better to appreciate such a snack than the legendary bacon fan, Steve Bruce. So I think that is one of the best suggestions we can think of. Would it be a waste really? of money? Would it be a waste of money employing a man of those talents just to make bacon sandwiches? Possibly. <laughs> but then that's what Newcastle United are all about, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, I definitely respect the suggestion, Ben, but I'd like, I like the idea of maybe... Heston Blumenthal coming in at Newcastle well, Deconstructing United. a bacon sandwich. Oh, yes. Because uh, the thing is, I think if you've got someone like that in there, for you know, a club who, on the pitch, have been so meat and potatoes for a number of years, <laughs> I would love to see yeah. a whole club dinner with Heston Blumenthal with his blowtorch out. Yeah. Just to see the look on Mike Ashley's face. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this? Keep the liquid nitrogen away from Andy Carroll. He put his fucking ankle in it last time. I don't know if you've seen all of these new signings. I've been. I've shattered me bonds. <laughs> Turning up in uh, in Mike Ashley's private jet. So I expect what would happen is that they would, in fact, he would in fact be relegated to serving the sandwiches with the blowtorch on yeah. the jet. Wouldn't maybe he? maybe want the, the common people to be getting it. Um, we've got an email here from uh, Joe Horsey. As a long-enduring Sheffield Wednesday fan preparing to begin the coming season on minus 12 points, I think what the club needs is the late great painter and host Bob Ross. He was always a yes. fountain of positivity and could give the team daily reminders that their mistakes are just happy little accidents. Aww. Our stadium could do with a lick of paint too for when his motivational quota has been met. Lovely. Bob Ross is an absolute legend. Now, he's much bigger in the US than he is here, but those who might kind of aware of Bob Ross. Are you guys aware of him? No. Kind of a 70s um, American um, painter with an afro. Right. The most calming voice ever. And he and what he would what he will do, I mean, listen, we should share this on social media like later in case people haven't seen it. He, he just starts the show. The show is super simple. Camera on him, easel, and his paints. And, he's, and, he, and he does half an hour and he just paints an amazing landscape as he's going, talking to you about what he's doing. Oof. And the reference of happy little accidents is when he makes a mistake, he's like, oh, it's just a happy little accident. I just turned that into something else. And he turns oh, it into something cool. else. Amazing shout. And Bob Ross was a lifesaver through lockdown where everyone was getting a little bit kind of under the weather and they couldn't leave the house. I can't remember which channel it was, but they did a brilliant job of putting Bob Ross on. Relaxing, a great chilled out half an hour. So is he like Perfect. British Tony Hart? Yes, kind of, but a lot more simple. British, American Tony Hart. Yeah, American Tony Hart, but no little weird plasticity men running around with no clothes on. But I, th I think if you think about it, Tony Hart would be a great Bundesliga coach, wouldn't he? <laughs> if you could resurrect him. Moulding players. <laughs> All I need is minds for moulding. Now, guys, um, Kieran Fox, I think on Twitter, has come, come up with this idea that I... I'm afraid to say I don't fully understand, but I think it's a Star Wars reference. Okay, this has started well. Admiral <laughs> Akbar as a scout that haunts Jose Mourinho wherever he goes to tell the players that joining Jose's current club is in fact a trap. Yeah. <laughs> don't say anything, Andy. Let Kate react to that herself. Well, uh, you can't, can you? Not really. Is it a Star Wars reference? Uh, yeah, Admiral Akbar is a character in Star Wars. Okay, cool. He's a, a fleet admiral. Uh, he looks like a space lobster and he famously, one of the most famous lines in all the Star Wars franchises is Admiral Akbar going, it's a trap. 
Okay. And that's kind of where it came from. Well, I think what's happened He doesn't here, really shape up as a great admiral, does he? No. <laughs> one, one, because he's should a be, lobster in a ca- suit. Should be calm under pressure. And, and, and two, because you as the viewer know it's a trap and then like 20 seconds later he goes, it's a trap. Yeah. Doesn't he? It's uh, absolutely right. I, yeah. I think um, I, I think what's happened here, Kate, is that producer Charlie has known your reputation for not knowing anything like things about Star Wars and he's put that in is there that's for you to a, read. That's a stitch up, isn't yeah. it? I'm all for it. I should have just moved it on because I've got the button. You could have done. I could have just binned it off. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, get your suggestions in for this week's topics either by emailing us at showupfromwillramblediaily.com or via Twitter using the hashtag RambleTopics. I guess we could talk about the whole of Star Wars next time. I'm going to go and educate myself. That's what I'm going to go and do. We concentrate on the topics. We're pretty good to many topics today. Now, Nations League and the Czech Republic, you could say, had something of an education at the hands of the Bonnie Scots. (laughs) (laughs) What a diplomatic way of putting it. Uh, Let's talk about their plucky old 2-1 win in Allen Modes. Bit of context in case you guys missed this. On Friday night, after Czech Republic won 3-1 in Slovakia, they announced that their game on Monday had been called off because a member of their backroom staff had tested positive for COVID-19. As a result, uh, people like Patrick Schick and Thomas Suchek had to uh, start self-isolating. But UEFA said, no, 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 guys, you can't just you can't just run roughshod, r- run roughshod, roughshod, roughshod yeah. <laughs> over the scheduling here. It's got to go ahead. An international fixture can take place as long as you've got 13 available players so they scoured they went the length and breadth of the Czech Republic put together a scratch side over the weekend um then I mean I guess the man with the most experience in that side was Roman Hubnik the captain he hasn't played internationally in four years but he has crucially played internationally there was only one other internationally capped player and crucially we had heard of him Yes, good point. Which, which, which is which is brilliant, but of course, it is helpful. But they did, of course. Let's not forget, go one 0 up. <laughs> it was a goal of great quality as well, and I I was particularly enjoying Steve Clark's face and David Marshall's face. He ended up having one of the games of his life, didn't he? Made so many good saves. Yeah. And when when the Czech Republic goal went in, I just imagined David Marshall just screaming, "They're not even permanent members of staff. <laughs> What's going on here?" And and I I feel like the look, I've got to tread carefully because I spoke about Scottish football a couple of weeks ago. Got absolutely roundly hammered. Probably fair enough, um, but I feel like the Czechs can consider themselves pretty hard done by by losing that game because when they scored their first goal, you thought, "Here we go!" And they were they were game to say the least. They were game, and they're an absolute credit to themselves for all the reasons Kate you've alluded to. But I think it, it could have been even more difficult for the Czechs because if you think before they called up all these like beyond fringe players, they were talking when they were initially told by UEFA you've got to play this mm. about well, what about if we use the coaching staff or what, what, what about if we used the kit man and the massage therapist this is like an episode of the topics yeah. what is this idle threat <laughs> follow through of it check come on we want to see that That's amazing. something similar happened with Denmark a while back didn't it well, they had, loaded, they had to use a lot of youth team players, didn't they, in a game? I can't remember the exact yeah. circumstances around that, but they did. Um, and I wonder, that to be absolutely fair to the Scots, you know, 
it's one of those things where you're on a bit of a high into nothing. It felt a bit to me, mm. and I'm not suggesting that the players who came in and played for Czech Republic aren't good players. They all play you know, at a good level and all the rest of it, don't they, relatively well, speaking? One of them, one, one of them was a 17-year-old who played one yeah. first-team game. But they're attached to big clubs, is yeah. what I mean. They're professional football players. It's not like... Yes. It, well, well, I don't know. The goalkeeper but, but plays for Olomos, which I guess he was playing in his home stadium, presumably, but it's not a, right, it's okay. not a club I know a lot about. I was, I was just setting up to say... I was just setting up to say uh, make a point, a comparison, but I did want to be disrespectful. But but what I was going to say was, it felt to me, because of all the talk around before the game, it felt to me a bit like when a, a bigger team goes to a non-league team in the FA Cup away from home or whatever. Yeah. You want a bit of a hide into nothing. You've got, to, you've got to get the job done, but the pressure can start to come on to you because you think shit especially when they go go like you think right what are we going to do now and so Scotland do deserve a little bit of credit for getting through it I know you don't agree with me Kate's face here Kate's face she is fuming she's she's trying to deflect it over to me so I get I'm the lightning rod here she is fuming (laughs) you guys have got to know that Scotland are, are now top of the group yeah. So Scotland... Yeah, Andy Robertson be, made that very clear in his yeah. post-match. Could, they, could, they could be in League A, couldn't they? Yeah, they could by, be. By, by the next Nations League. Would, would you Imagine mean, that. Just absorb that for a second. Five games unbeaten. Did you think the penalty was a bit soft? Yeah, mate, it wasn't even a bloody penalty. Okay, I see what you did there. No, I think, <laughs> well, he does grab his shirt. Yeah, I thought it was a penalty. It wasn't even in the penalty. I don't think he was fouled in the penalty box. But I think if it continues into the penalty box, it can be given as exactly. a penalty. Yeah, yeah, all right. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, if you need a bloody penalty to beat a scratch side of Czech Republic, People, yeah, people, just people, just people. And by the way, (laughs) it's even players, people. If they were going to bring back, if they were going to bring back players who haven't played at international appearances for a long time, and they could have brought some good players back, yeah, Czech Republic, because they used to be decent, cool, wouldn't it? They used to be decent. Are you talking about about a vets thing? Yes, like Patrick Berger. There you're talking. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? There's loads of there's loads of options. Pavel Nedved's always hanging about football stadiums, isn't he? Well, they could have brought Big Jan Collar back. Could have brought Pavel Nedved back, yeah. Could have brought Thomas Rosicki back. Do you think they considered that? I guess it would take a little while longer than the 48 hours that they had. Just and imagine, I guess the fitness. All I'm saying is, just in, yeah, just in 2020, imagine if they if they turned out <laughs> and they had put like Big Jan Collar and Thomas Scaravi up front. <laughs> Thomas Scaravi, of course, played for Genoa in the late 80s. It'd be amazing. No practicality. It's all content to you guys, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Exactly, all content. Yeah. And it's fuming. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And we should be. Anyway, congratulations to Scotland. And also, I'm afraid in the context of the home nations, congratulations to Norway beating Northern Ireland 5-1. Some lovely goals in that one, but uh, not for the home team. No, I've got, got to say, yeah. like Lars Sivertsen, I would have. Lo- I quite enjoyed watching Netherlands versus Italy, but I yeah. would have loved to have watched this with our, our Lars Sivertsen. Yeah. Like the large and large striking partnership yeah. of Sorlot, a yeah. man who still belongs to Crystal Palace Let's and scored forget. more goals than them last season on his own. Yeah. And Erling Braut Holland, who only scored his first international goal a couple of days ago, but scored an absolute net whacker for his first one. The second one was a pretty good finish. He assisted on one of Sorlot's as well. They could be really interesting. I I don't fancy Sturbia's chances against Norway in the playoffs. No, they, look, they look like a team on the up, don't they? No, yeah. I, th- I like the way that... Um, Northern Ireland spent quite a lot of <laughs> painstaking years building a reputation of just not giving anything away at international level under uh, their previous coach. And now it's like, mm, some of the defending for that for that game was, was pretty, pretty poor. Yeah. But, but the, I know they're up against some good players. When are they yeah, going to yeah. play two strikers of, of, of that quality? Like, like Not that often. Well, and they weren't expecting to face it when, when the draw originally came out, were they? So... It's, it is interesting how you make the point about how how recently Erling Braut Holland scored his first international goal because yes. the reputation he enjoys 
you know, probably fairly is as, as this, you know, one of these Prolific. most exciting young players around and, and he's still got a long way to go in this journey, particularly international level. And and for the country he plays who have no real tradition of achieving anything at international level really means that he's going to take a lot of pressure on his shoulders over the over the years because uh, you're right, Kate. You're still angry about Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Head biting the microphone, fuming. <laughs> Giving him a Glasgow kiss in tribute. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, uh, <laughs> so it, w- it will be interesting to see how the team develops and, and whether he can. I, I'm, I know it's a cliche to say, but almost like a it takes a pressure and, and the expectation of an entire nation on his shoulders. He plays in a similar position to someone like Zlatan, similar part of the world. What, how that develops will be interesting. All right, so 19 goals in 20 games for Holland. A couple of lovely ones last night. Also, Andy mentioned the Netherlands against Italy game. That was just just the one goal in that one. Inter's Nicola Barella putting Italy ahead with an emphatic header. I love the late arriving header. Ah, mate. It's a great thing to see. You know he's my height, five foot six. He's the shortest player on the pitch. You don't see enough of that. You don't see enough of the late arriving header in football these days. He used to be all the rage. Christian Vieira used to do it all the time. I do miss Dennis Wise headers, so I was was (laughs) pleased to see that. Yeah, it was lovely. And guys, it doesn't stop here. There is more live international football for you tonight. Sadly, not the big one. The Pharaohs against Latvia. You're going to have to wait another month for that one. Marcus' favourite. I know. New Pharaohs. Absolutely mine as well. Kate's Kate's been promoting the Pharaohs. I've been promoting that. I've been been bantering with the Pharaohs. They haven't got an official Twitter account. I know. I've been bantering with the Pharaohs. That's the most Mason sentence. Sounds quite Egyptian, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. That's what I'm thinking. Valley of the Kings. We've been been bantering in hieroglyphics. Uh, Sanskrit is actually my main uh, ancient language. Of course it is. But there is some home nation action tonight. Denmark hosting England kickoff at uh, 7.45 live on Sky Sports. Could this be the moment where some of this football comes to life? Well, two players who won't know or might have to watch from home are, of course, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood. After they met up with some people from outside the biosecure bubble in Iceland over the weekend. They've been handed personal fines of £1,300 each. Phil Foden has apologised on Instagram. He, of course, made his debut in that game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an, look, I don't want to be too harsh on them. They're young and it's a weird time. Um, but the journey that Phil Foden has been on to get to this point, would you'd, you'd think it would have him been a bit more responsible despite his young age because, you know, he's been a part of the football dialogue for a long time when's he going to get his chance is he being held back look what's happened with Sancho could mm-hmm. Foden do it and he finally kind of gets to that point and then he, make, he makes this mistake um, obviously Southgate can't call up or won't call up replacements so England only have a 21 man score for the game tonight I think um, you know look I was impressed with how Southgate handled it I, 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 I've made the point in the past about some strange-ish decisions in my opinion that Southgate's made um, but they say to be a, a successful manager, you need to not get too carried away with the highs and not be too down on the lows. And, and, mm. and he's kind of done that. Um, and, and it's also worth pointing out that Southgate's had quite a bit to deal with. I yes. mean, he's probably gone under under the radar, really, with everything else that's been going on. You've got the Harry Maguire thing. You've got the Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez bust up. That and was now the this. third one before. So that's three consecutive camps, even though that was yeah. like 10 mm. months ago. So that's just in the last 10 months yeah. those three things have happened. Exactly. So, so look, I think it's a mistake. They have to understand that... It, the, the wider context for me is just the fact that we all saw what it was like for three months with no football, and it was fucking awful for all of us. And their careers are short. Every single player I've ever spoken to or met or interviewed or whatever has said to me, it goes so fast. Like you, you, before you know it, you're done. And and if I could change anything, it would be to kind of enjoy it more. And these guys need to understand that 
that applies to them in a big way. And the reason it applies to them in a big way is just in the next however long, 10 months until the Euros, if it happens, there aren't many games left now. They're going to find it hard to get there now, Exactly. And that's going to be... And that's and Andy, just finish. What, what could be a bigger punishment than that, really? Also, you can get pigeonholed at international level, I think, very easily. Um, as as a player who's not quite cut out for international football. You look yeah. at Adrian Rabio or whatever. And it's going to be hard to integrate them as players who don't have much international experience b- before that. So I don't even think it's a case of, you know, what will their punishment be? And there seems to be this appetite for, for punishment, yeah. doesn't there, publicly. Now, what they've done is epically stupid. I don't think there's any getting away from that. But on the other hand, what I don't want us to do is turn into that thing that French football did certainly for a bit where the the, the players win the are, World Cup <laughs> where, where the where the national Go players strike. where the national players become part of the process symbolic of like how the nation should sure behave you know you remember the the, the Facebook party with Yann and Villa Antoine Griezmann um, Wissam Ben Yedda still uh, impressed with Yann and Villa's travel in that at that time, didn't he travel like two hundred miles or something? It was kind of like oh, no, it wasn't that far. It oh, was, it was, it was taxiable. Pre-COVID, can I just confirm? Any, anything, yeah. anything's taxiable if you think about it, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah when it was, I said I, I once, I once got a um, train to a town, and I didn't know where I really where I was going, and I got a taxi, and I said to the taxi driver, "Yeah, I wasn't really sure if it's walkable or not," and he went, "Well, everywhere's walkable, isn't it?" Oh, that's quite nice. Especially for a taxi driver. Pull over, I'm getting out. (laughs) You'd expect him not to be pushing that line of reasoning. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Andy, continue. Well, I was going to say this idea of of a football association that feels it has to be seen to do the right thing all the time. So it has to sate the public need for punishment rather than actually dealing with it on on a personal level and actually relating to the players, actually seeing why they've done it and what they can do to fix it. I think it's much harder to do the right thing and a lot easier to be seen to do the right thing. You think how long, like, well, obviously it completely torched Jan and Villa's international career. But in the case of Ben Yedda, Griezmann, people forget, especially with Griezmann, because he's become a, 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 an international superstar now, he was out of contention for like a year. Mm. And I don't want to see anything like that. You know, let's just say, can you learn from it and and move on? Because as you say, the punishment will most likely be that they're going to have a real uphill battle if they don't have absolutely incredible seasons in the Premier League to even make it in the squad for Euro 2020. All right, guys. So we are looking forward to that one tonight. Denmark against England. I'll be watching that. And it just remains to say, really, uh, we love you all. We're so happy to have you along for the ride here on The Ramble. If you fancy leaving us a review on your podcast store, we would absolutely love that. Uh, There's a lot of people here at The Ramble trying to make stuff you like. And obviously, not just us gobshites, but uh, (laughs) people like Katie and Charlie, who work behind the scenes. And of course, Earl Ramble or Lord Ramble or King Ramble. Ramble. (laughs) (laughs) It means a lot to them and to us so yeah and do keep getting in touch we love to hear from you um, thanks guys that was fun yeah thank you very much hooray hooray tomorrow it's Marcus Fish and Pete we'll see you then this was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network 